Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Thank you. Sixth chapter. Matthew's Gospel. Let's start with verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, as we approach your word this evening, we approach it with reverence, we approach it humbly. We thank you for attentive ears and receptive hearts. And we thank you for the greater one within, who will bring forth the word and demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I thank you, Father God, that we are doers of your word and not hearers only. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, in verse 10, notice Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. We've been talking about in our evening service the will of God, the will of man, and the will of the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but some people think that just because God is God and he's sovereign, that automatically his will is done in everybody's life without anybody else's will being involved. But you see, that's not true. We have God's will, we have man's will, and we have the devil's will. God's will, man's will, and the devil's will. And Jesus here is saying to pray that God's will be done when God's kingdom comes. Well, bless God, his kingdom has come. And it was his good pleasure to give you and me the kingdom. Wasn't it? He gave it to us. It was his will to give us the kingdom. But why pray thy will be done if God is God and he's sovereign and he can do anything he wants? Is he mean? And he's up there, you know, not wanting to do anything for us? No. But we have an adversary who continually tries to impose his will and influence man with his will, so man doesn't know the difference between God's will and the devil's will. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth, not knowing if it's God's will or if it's the devil's will, whose will it is, and then thinking that their will has nothing to do with it. But I think we need to establish some things we talked about last, whatever last time we met. I don't know about you, but we're just getting so caught up into the glory. It doesn't matter what time we, what we met last time. As a matter of fact, I don't know about you, but you just be ready. Because the waves of glory are just filling this place. And they're going to continue to fill this place. Amen? Amen. Amen. He said, be a light. And let your light so shine before men. And that's exactly what we intend to do in this place. Amen? To be a light. Well... We said if you'll go back to Psalm 8, just to reiterate a few points, but in case you weren't here with us, we will reiterate a few points. We said back here, the psalmist was writing under the inspiration, of course, of the Holy Spirit, and made a statement concerning man and concerning God's will for man. God has a will for man. God's will for man will be carried out in its fullest, whether or not anyone else ever gets involved in it. He doesn't, you know, he'd like to have everybody involved in it, but if everybody doesn't want to be involved in it, then uh, really it'll be their own problem to deal with. Because the Father God wants everybody to be involved in his great plan of redemption. The Father God wants everybody to be involved with his great glory. He wants everybody to be saved. God's not willing that one person perish, but if all be saved, not one. 
So is the will of God. That's the will of God. Well, then may I ask you this question? God is sovereign, and if God is not willing that any man perish, and being sovereign, and salvation being the greatest issue concerning God's will for men, he didn't send Jesus to die down here for nothing. Well, then why is not God's will being done in the life of everybody? Because not everybody's going to heaven. And God's not willing that everybody perish, anybody perish. So consequently, something's telling me that God's will can be stopped from being done in the life of any individual. Amen? God may will that you somewhere in this congregation enter into the ministry of a prophet someday, or an evangelist someday, or a pastor someday. But unless we carry out that will and yield ourselves to do his will, that will will never be carried out in our lives. But bless God, when I hear the voice of his spirit, and I know he's whispering to my spirit, thus saith the Lord, I say, Father God, yes, that's your will concerning me, and I will do it. I will pursue it. And I will have your will carried out in my life. We said one thing to notice was that Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will. Jesus had a will of his own. That's going to be very important what we're talking about. Jesus could have done his own will when he came to earth. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane he said, No, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Amen. Not my will, but thine be done. Jesus allowed the will of God to be carried out in his life. He yielded himself. He set aside his will so that the will of the Father may be carried out through his life in perfection. And bless God, it brought us back to glory. Hallelujah to Jesus. Here we see God's plan for man, and it's just marvelous. The psalmist is astounding as he speaks. I'm sure he didn't know what he was writing about. But uh, we have the privilege of the Spirit of God unveiling these things to us. In verse 3, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? In other words, we said, God who made the universe, God who created the heavens, the heavens do show forth his glory, and the earth is his handiwork, and all of everything, everything that we see is all his handiwork. But when it gets down to this person, the man, he says, what is man that you're so mindful of this man? What is this son of man that thou hast visited him? You didn't visit the moon, you didn't visit the stars, and if the angels want to come and visit, they have to come over to your house. You don't go to their house. But this man that you created, this man that you formed out of the dust of the earth, this man that you breathe in your breath of life, this man right here, you come and visit him in the cool of the day. What is this man that you're so mindful of him? And then he goes on and says, for thou hast made him a little lower than, and don't get upset when I say this because it may knock somebody's tradition. The word there should have been translated Elohim. Elohim is the word that's used there. It should have been God. Thou hast made him a little bit lower than God. I'll show that to you in its simplicity. God the Father reigns in heaven. There is nobody in his kingdom that's above him. Did you know that? There is a heavenly world and there is an earthly world. There is a heavenly kingdom and there is an earthly kingdom. There isn't anybody that's above God in that kingdom. Nobody. No one's above God in that kingdom. He is king in that kingdom. He rules. He reigns in the heavens. Amen? But what he did, he made in the earth another kingdom. In this kingdom, he began as you... Go to the Old Testament and find out all about Lucifer and his fall. As a matter of fact, why don't we go there? Let's look at Isaiah, the 14th chapter. Isaiah, the 14th chapter. And uh, hold your place there in Psalms. We're going to get back there. You lost it already, right? That's all right. You find it quick. Isaiah, the 14th chapter. Here's God's will for man. He creates this man. He's mindful of this man. He visits this man. 
And then he crowns him as king, which we'll see in a minute. But I said also, something we didn't be familiar with, is that Satan has his own will. Lucifer, who was created by God in his kingdom, the worship angel, probably one of the most glorious of all God's creation, fell, as you know, but here's how I did it. Look at uh, verse 12. And notice at the end of verse 12 we have an exclamation mark. But notice as we read the context of it, it sounds like a question and not an exclamation. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? How did you fall, Lucifer? How did you fall, Lucifer? And in the 13th verse, we have the answer. For thou hast said, How did you fall, Lucifer? For thou hast said, For thou hast said, For thou hast said, In thine heart, The principles of faith. Thou hast said in thine heart, We have the law of faith right here in motion. Said it with, with his mouth and believed it in his heart. Thou hast said in thy heart. That's how Lucifer fell. Someone says, well, God did it. No, God didn't do it. Lucifer said in his heart. Notice the next two words. It shows to us the mind, the purpose, the intent of our enemy, Satan. I will. I will. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will. This last I will is a duty. I will be like the Most High. All those are his I wills. This is the will of the devil. This is Satan's will. I will. In other words, I will overthrow your kingdom. I will take your place. I will be like the Most High God. Look at the next verse. He said, I will... But God said to him, you will. You shall be brought down to hell. He was doomed the moment his I wills came out of his mouth. Right. You know, if I could just get that across to some people, you lost it when you said, I will do what I want to do. That's exactly what the devil did here. This is the reason why a lot of people have the hard, hardships in their marriage. Well, I do what I want to do. And I'll do it my way. And I will do this, and I'll go here, and I'll do that. This is why we have so much problems. Even in Christian marriages, families. Everybody wants to do their own will. Nobody's willing to give up their will to do the Father's will. Everybody's being, you know, stepped upon, and, and you know, you want to get even. Well, blessed be God, if you ask me, I don't care. I'm just going to walk in the love of God. And if you want to walk all over me and call me your doormat, that's all right. I'm still going to walk in the love of God. And I guarantee you... You're going to find out that, blessed be God, those that choose to walk that way, they got honor with the King of Kings and with the Lord of Lords. And I will reign with him. And I will be unto him a son. And you will be unto him a daughter. If you will walk like that. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, he is my God. That's what I will. Amen. No, Satan said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. All those I wills got him in a whole heap of trouble. He tried to overthrow the kingdom of God. Now notice that kingdom is up there in heaven. And the last thing he said was, I will be like the most high God. I will be like the most high God. Then can't you hear the whisper of the Father? Lucifer was cast down out of heaven. I will ascend. His kingdom is on the earth. He tried to do it, but he was cast down out of heaven. Darkness fell upon the face of the deep. The earth was void and without form. But over there in the beginning of the book of Genesis, we hear the Father God speaking glory back into the earth. And he says, 
Let us make man in our own image and likeness. The devil said, I will be like the Most High. He said, Pooey on you, devil. He talked it over with the Godhead and said, Let us make man in our image. In other words, let us make him like us. Go back to that Psalm 18. Oh, devil got whipped right there. Glory be to God. He wanted to be like God, but he didn't get to be like God. Man did. Man did. Glory. Man did. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. What is man, verse 4 said, that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him, for thou hast made him a little lower than Elohim, the Godhead, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Glory and honor. We said the word crown there means he, he was encircled. It's not just a crown on his head. Now listen to me. The word, the Hebrew word there means to encircle, to encompass, to encircle for protection or for attack. He crowned this man that he made with his own presence, with his own glory, with his own honor. He honored this man by crowning this man, not with the glory of angels, not with the glory of Lucifer, Michael, Gabriel, or any of the other angels. He said, but the man that I'm making in my image, I am crowning him with my own glory and with my own presence. Everything that I am, everything that emanates from the Father's heart, shall encompass this man. It'll just come out of this man. And man was said to be a shade lower than Elohim. Now I'll show you why. Because when God created this earth and set it up as a kingdom and crowned Adam as king, in all the earth, you have to realize God wanted his will to be done in earth. A carbon copy of heaven he made on the earth. He made this man a carbon, well, a copy of himself, only a shade lower than himself, in the earth. says, I will reign in the heavens, you will reign in the earth. That Adam had to be more glorious than Lucifer. He had to be. He had to be. He had to be created more glorious than Lucifer. Because God came down and talked to him and visited him on his own level and said, I have created you to have dominion. Let's read on. That's what it said there. Crown him with glory and honor, and thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and all the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes to the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Just as sure as all these creatures function as they are to function, you can rest just as sure that God made Adam to have dominion over all the earth, and that dominion was his to rule and to reign as king in the earth. Well, as you know, that old dummy who tried to dethrone the Father, who tried to take over all his authority, who tried to be like the Most High God, who tried to worm his way in and run the whole show, that fella came into the Garden of Eden in the form of a serpent, snuck up to Adam and Eve, spoke words of, well, just a bunch of lies, covered with partial truth, and on that day that Eve heard that, and on that day that Adam clothed in all this glory. And I remember he said that glory that was encompassing him, that was encircling him, that glory was for protection and attack. Protection and attack. He was to protect this kingdom. He was to protect it. All of it. Keep it, guard it, protect it, secure all, all everything that was there. He was to be the protector of that land. And also, he had that power to attack or stand against anybody that would come 
to destroy or to steal or to kill and do anything that would be contrary to what the Father said. He had the power to attack and to just get rid of the devil. Anybody that would come to intrude, he had the power to get rid of them and tell them to leave his kingdom off. You know, get out of his kingdom, leave it alone. That's what God gave man to do. He had the power and the ability to do that. But I want you to see, when Eve and Adam, Adam being the culprit because he had the ability and the power to do it, listened to the voice of the adversary, Adam was stripped of all his glory. We gave you a scriptures in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short or inferior, inferior to the glory of God. Adam was not inferior to the glory of God. You know, if the glory of God under the Old Covenant, if anybody walks up with the glory of God in the presence of the glory of God of the Ark of the Covenant, touch the Ark of the Covenant, they fall over dead right there. Not because God is cruel, but because man could not stand in that presence and that glory without, you know, dying. He was inferior to that glory. But Adam could just, in the cool of the day, could just talk to the Father God, like I'm talking to you right now, and not be inferior to God's glory, because he was created in the same image and likeness and was clothed with that glory. No, man was a mighty ruler. Man was created for dominion. Man had the responsibility of ruling and reigning as king over God's earth. As God ruled in heaven, man was the rule on the earth. That's God's will for man. That's God's eternal purpose for man. And God's eternal purpose for man will be fulfilled and carried out. No matter who jumps in and joins him or who turns their back on him, it will be carried out. Okay, if that's God's will for man, and we see that it is, we know that it is, and we realize that when Adam fell, Satan became the god of this world, or the king, let's, let's put it that way, Satan became king or god of this world, Adam had that position as god of this world, but no one will argue the point, you know, some people get upset when you say that. They say, what are you trying to do, lift us up to a place of equality with God? Well, the Bible says that we are heirs of God and join us with Jesus Christ, does it not? Oh, but it's, it's okay to call a dumb old devil and say, well, he's the God of this world. It's wrong to call man the God of this world, but it's not wrong to call Satan the God of this world. Satan was not created to be the God of this world, was he? That dominion was turned over to him when Adam sinned and failed, and the only way he could take that dominion was if Adam had the legal right to give it to him and hand it over to him when he fell. If Adam didn't have it, then, then Satan could not take it from him. But here's what happened. And if you can grab a picture of this, you can see it clearly. There he was. He tried to take over God's kingdom, couldn't do it. So he settled for second best. He overtook Adam's kingdom and ruled and reigned in the earth and became the God of this world. Now, man lost his glory. Man lost that relationship with the Father. Man was an outcast. He was subject to all the things that he was lord over. All the earth that he had ruled and reigned over, he was now subject to all the things in the earth. Why do you think scientists are looking for ways to explore the unknown? To see things that they've never seen before, to find things. There's an element inside the heart of man that wants to see the miraculous, even though they don't call it the miraculous creative ability to create things that they have never seen before. You know, we think it's funny when we talk about years ago when they said, uh, you know, man can fly. Well, if you went back two years ago and you found out, you know, when man could not fly, well, the person that said that man could fly would be the nut. Right? Wouldn't he be the nut? But now, for someone to believe that man could never fly, we'd have to be saying, you know, we're the nuts. Because he's already been on the moon. Oh, they thought they did such a great thing to get on the moon. They thought they did such a wonderful thing just to get up there on that moon. But you remember over there in the days of Hezekiah and Isaiah? He got the whole world to stop. Hallelujah. You think that's dominion just working all these things to flap to the moon? How about speaking the word and having the moon and the stars and the sun and everything just stop in its tracks and then go backwards? There's no God out here, they said. I don't see any. Can't touch him. Can't feel him. But yet they had to go to the Bible to get the right course. To get up there to that moon. You know that. They had to go to the Bible to find out where they missed it to get up there to that moon. 
but they won't consider that the Word is God Himself. Everything they try to discover, that element inside them means they're looking for the unknown. They want more. They want more. They want power. They want dominion. Just look at the way the world is being run today. Man wants power. He wants to rule the earth. Communism, all this, they want to rule the earth. They'll go to any extreme to have dominion and to have power and authority over physical things. Well, blessed be God, if you are born again, you're born of God, you have been lifted up to reign with Jesus Christ as a king. You are the kings in the earth. He is the king of kings. Where He is the Lord of lords. We're the kings and the lords and He's king and lord over. Amen? And we are ruling and reigning with Him in the earth. And blessed be God, we have that dominion restored unto us. Right? Well, here's the picture. Satan becomes the king. Man loses out. But the father whispers and said, Fear not. The king of glory is coming unto you. Who is the king of glory? Who is the king of glory? Lift up your eyes, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall appear. Man was stripped of his glory. But one day in the little town of Bethlehem, in the city of David, was born unto us the brightness of his glory, the expressed image of the person of God himself. God finally made a way to get his glory back into the earth. He came into the earth for the purpose of legally defeating Satan and taking and stripping him of all the authority he gained and then regaining the glory he had when he left that world to come to this world to die for us and to go back to the Father. And he said, Father, the glory wherewith I was when I was with you, give it back to me. And the Father says, I have glorified the Son. Now, as you realize that power, well, let's, let's, let's stop and think about, first of all, all the authority that Satan had when man fell. He takes over as the ruler of the world. He begins to reign as the God of this earth. His will is being established. It's his will to dethrone God. He wants to dethrone God. He don't care what it takes. He's going to dethrone God. He got into a position where it was getting closer to where he can do such a thing. Yeah, he was defeated before, but when he got and took, took over man's authority, he got closer to defeating God. And if you stop and think about it, when Jesus came, Jesus was the person of God in the earth. Jesus represented the only authority, the only kingdom that was higher than Satan's kingdom. Because Adam was created a shade lower. And Satan represented that authority now in the earth. Jesus came representing the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus said, pray, that when the kingdom of God come, that God's will be done. What do you think he meant? You know what he meant? You know what he meant? The kingdom came. Jesus was the kingdom. He was saying, pray for me. Because when he got to that garden of Gethsemane before the presence of the Father and all the holy angels and began to sweat those drops, as it were, blood, as he made intercession for the whole world, he said, not my will be done, but the kingdom's will be done in earth. That's what he said to Paul. You pray that I go all the way. You pray that I'll submit even under the death of the cross. You pray that I give my life. You just stand behind me and pray, he said to them, that God's kingdom wins over the kingdom of darkness. Well, praise God. There he was, coming to the earth. Now, you remember that Adam fell because he had a desire to eat the fruit of, fruit of the tree. You remember that Esau sold his birthright for what? For what? For what? Okay. Remember that Paul said to Timothy, some people's gods are their bellies. 
Everybody's falling to food. And there you find Jesus in the wilderness. And the devil comes to him after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And he said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus wasn't hungry. He may have been hungry, but he wasn't going to let hunger be his God. Jesus was the only man. Now hear me. Jesus was the only man that stood up to that devil face to face and eye to eye, looked him in the eye and said, I will not bow to you. Jesus was the last one. That's you, the last one to do it. If Jesus fails, then Satan has dethroned God. Remember, he said, I didn't come to do my will, but the Father's will. He came to restore that glory to man. He came to restore that dominion to man. He came to save that which was lost. Right? All right, now think about it. In that temptation, he met the devil head on. He had to go through that temptation. Let's go over to Luke's Gospel, the fourth chapter. After he says, no, there's no way. No way. I will not turn this, these stones into bread. I am going to listen to every word of God. You won't deceive me by your words like you deceived Adam by his by your words. I will not bow to you, and our kingdom will not bow to you. But look at the next The purpose that Jesus came to the earth was so that he can take the glory of this kingdom and give it back and restore it back to man. And here's what he says. He showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will. I'll give it. You know that it meant to Jesus? Skip Calvary. Just take it this way. Skip Calvary. Don't die for man. I'll just give you all the glory of the kingdom if you just worship me. Think about the impact. You've got to get think the, about the impact of what he's saying here. That's a temptation. Jesus came for that very purpose. And he knew that Satan had in his authority and power. Because Adam turned it over to him. He's saying to him now he's tempted, he could not tempt him in the physical realm, the hunger realm. So he goes into this other realm, this spirit realm, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, this is what you've come for. You sign up and follow me, and I'll give them to you. You don't have to go to Calvary and die for it. Well, Jesus knew what he had to do, but the devil didn't. But in other words, don't, you don't have to go that, that part and die for it. I'll just give them over to you. I'll turn them over to you. And here, if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And in the last temptation, he brought him up, brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, and in their hands they'll bear, bear thee up, lest thou dash his foot against the stone. And Jesus said, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Oh, is this very important that you see this? I just got blessed seeing it like this. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Who is doing the tempting? Who is he tempting? Who is he tempting? He was tempting Jesus, wasn't he? Did not Jesus represent the throne of God? At one time, God was also the God of Lucifer. Who do you think you are tempting me, the Lord your God? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. The devil tried to tempt him. It was just like tempting God. Jesus stood him to the face. This is so important that you realize this. Had Jesus bowed down to these temptations, had Jesus given up, had Jesus turned this authority over, it meant not only is Satan the ruler over all the earth, 
but now Satan has become the ruler of the heavens. He has fulfilled his will to become the God over all creation. Can you imagine a creation of darkness? Can you imagine ruling and reigning over a creation that was once light, but now it's all darkness and evil and wickedness and torture and pain and disease and sickness, and we have to live under it forever? Well, the Bible says that Jesus, as he resisted the devil, the devil fled from him. But Jesus went on all the way to Calvary. And when Jesus was about to leave and depart from his, his saints, he said to them, The prince of this world is coming, and he has no part in me. The prince of this world is coming, but he has no part in me. Jesus fulfilled the will of God. Jesus went all the way to do the will of God. And the prince of this world is going to come. He thinks he's going to meet me. He thinks he's going to defeat me. But he has no part in me. And you better believe his dandruff was up. He didn't know what to do. All he wanted to do was kill this prophet of God. All he wanted to do was choke him. All he wanted to do was destroy his life. That's all he wanted to do. Just get rid of him. Now, God's plan was this. He hid in himself this mystery of his glory from the foundation of the world so that at a given point of time, in the fullness of time, he would come and unveil this great plan to his people through Calvary. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2 and see. He was going to reveal this great plan to his people through Calvary so that he could reestablish his glory in the earth. And man would then rule and reign and have that same dominion and power, only it would be this way. We would not be ruling and reigning out of, and operating the same, from the same position that Adam had, because Adam had his dominion in the earth. But man would be ruling and reigning and operating from the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, because his seating is in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That authority has been taken to heaven where Satan can no longer get into destroy God's plan in the earth. Now over here in the seventh verse of the second chapter, first Corinthians, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our what? Our glory which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the what? Who is the King of glory? Who is the Lord of glory? Jesus is the Lord of glory. Had they known it, they wouldn't have crucified him. But there it was. Can you imagine it? Jesus goes all the way. He, he, he made an open show in the earth of Satan's kingdom. He showed all the people of the earth that he had power over death, sickness, and disease, and poverty, and all these things that was all around the earth. He had power and authority over all of it. He made an open show of the devil that he didn't know what to do. He was just all upset. His whole kingdom was upset in the earth. But on the day that he said, this prince has no power over me, he's got nothing in me, and he gives himself up and he yields himself over to the devil to become sin for men, the devil just gets all the people that, that he could, everybody that he could, had he known he wouldn't have done this, but all the people that he could to make an open mockery and an open shame of the Lord Jesus Christ by taking it to him and putting him on that cross and crowning him, not with a crown of glory, but with a crown of thorns of shame, mocking him, laughing at him, and said, Harry is the king of the Jews. I'm king, the devil says. And his whole bunch down there, they're beginning to rejoice. And they're all glad and they're all happy. Finally, he got rid of this bum. Look it. They stripped him down naked. Hanging on a cross. Crown of thorns. There's no crown of glory on his head. Who does he think he's, he's not king over anybody or anything? And the devil thought he had it. He thought he worked everything out in such a way that he had the victory over the true king of glory. And he says, now for sure, I have dethroned even God. He thought he did it. But blessed be God, when Jesus became sin and Jesus left that old cross in all its shame, in all its mockery, 
in all, all the humiliation of that cross, when he left that cross and went down into the regions of, Dan, of the Dan, oh, Satan and his bunk had a picnic. They thought they had the victory. The devil thought him, he just probably just had a whole party down there and just tell everybody that he is the king and they worshiped him. He wanted to be worshiped. He wanted everybody to worship him. He wanted all the creation to worship him. He wanted to be like the most high God. And when he was down there and Jesus came on down there, he had him down there. He had all the host of darkness surrounding him round about. But blessed be God when he was down there. The Bible says Jesus, after Jesus was on that cross and all that shame, it says that Jesus despoiled him. Jesus spoiled him. Can you imagine right in the middle of all that hallelujah party they had down there? The Father spoke from heaven. And you know what raised Jesus from the dead? The glory of God. The glory of the Father. What do you think he meant when he said, Lord, give me back the glory that I had when I was with you? Here's what he meant. I'm going and I'm stripping myself of all that power, of all that glory. I'm going to be made an open shame before all this earth. And, and then I'm going to go down there even in the hell. And I'm going to be just like an open shame. Stripped of all the glory that I had when I was with you. You can't get any stripped than that, more stripped than that. Well, when Adam was stripped of that glory, he was naked and he was ashamed. So he clothed himself. God clothed, made provision for that shame. But when a man leaves this earth suit and goes into that realm, there is nothing to clothe the shame. Nothing to clothe the shame. And there he was, stripped of his glory in the earth. It was a shame for him to be here in the earth as, as a man. A shame for God to have to appear as a man in the earth. What an act of humiliation. But it was even a, more of a shame for him to have to go into hell and pay the price of your and my sin. But blessed be God, the Father said, the glory that I have, that you had when you were with me, is the same glory, the same glory I'll give back to you when it's all done. And he said, Father, I commit my spirit under your hands. And he went into the regions of hell. Satan had his party. But blessed be God, on that third day, when the glory of God came out of heaven, and the glory of God shone in the darkness, and the power of his life and of his light and of his love went inside the regions of hell and got the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ and reclothed him with all that glory. He walked over to the devil and he said, Now who is king? Now who's the king of glory? And stripped him of all this power, stripped him of all his glory, and raised up from the dead, made an open show of the devil, made a shame of him in front of all his cohorts. Raised up from the grave and stood there and said, Hallelujah, I reign, I'm the king. Oh, hell, he said, all power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth and under the earth. Every knee shall bow unto my name, and I give it all to you, my people. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Woo! That's right. That's what he did. That's what he did. His will. He had to hide it in himself. You know, if you tell a secret top people, you'll know. So God didn't tell anybody. He hid it in his own bosom, but then he revealed it unto our glory. Now you ready for the whole key? The Bible says in Second Peter, first chapter, verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, by the knowledge of him, by the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. Glory and excellence. No, man no longer is in the earth defeated, dethroned, a worm, no good before God. But man was lifted up, called unto glory, called unto virtue. Who is it? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's in us. He raises us up together with him and seats us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages that come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. No. We don't operate in this earth from the same standpoint that Adam did. I want to show you something beyond that. We operate not from Adam's authority. Not from Adam's dominion. 
He was made a shade lower than God. Did you notice what happened? He fell. But we operate from the position as sons of God at the right hand of the majesty on high, seated right there with Christ in heavenly places, and the rule and the dominion and the authority and the reigning in the earth comes from that kingdom, not down here. That's why he said, All power is given unto me in my name. Every knee shall bow in all three worlds. His will is done in the earth. It's done now. The only thing that can stop his will from being done in your life. I didn't say the earth. His will is done in the earth. His will is done in the earth. In your life. In my life. Is if I don't yield my will to him. Now we shared some scriptures when we started this. God's not willing that how many? Any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish. Not any man. Matter of fact, look at 1 Timothy 2nd chapter. And verse 4. God is not willing that any should perish then it must not be the will of God that any man perish. There's not a man on this earth that has to die and miss heaven. Oh, beloved, there is a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. Look at the scripture here. We'll give you the scriptures. 1 Timothy 2, 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. That is the will of God concerning you. Peter in 2 Peter 3, 9 said, God is not willing that any should perish. None, not one should perish. Not any should perish. This is the will of God right here. All men should be saved and come to repentance, come to knowledge of the truth. Now, if God's not willing that any should perish, he doesn't want any man to, to lose his salvation. If salvation is the most important issue concerning God's kingdom in the earth, and it is, I'll give you one thing even a step further than that. In Matthew's Gospel, the 18th chapter, concerning children, the Father said, talking about children, it is not the will of my Father, Jesus said, which is in heaven, that one of these little children perish. Woe unto the man that causes one of these little ones to perish, to be destroyed, to die. To be killed, to lose, that word means. Now listen, did you know that little kids grow up? If Jesus was really saying that it's not the Father's will that one of these little ones perish, and if anybody causes that one little one to go astray, it would be better that a millstone be tied around his neck and he'd be cast into the midst of the scene and die than let me get a hold of it. That's right. Little kids grow up. He doesn't want anybody to lose their salvation. God is not willing that one perish. Why is not his will being carried out of the earth? Why not? Why are they perishing? Why are they still dying and going to hell? Even though God has called us under this throne. Why? Because man has a will of his own. Man has a will of his own. And if that man chooses not to follow the plan and the will of God for his life, that man will perish. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. The word John records in the third chapter, God so loved the world that he gave his son that everyone that would believe on him would have a life life, and no one would perish. Now, we enter into a new realm. The will of man. The will of man. How powerful is the will of man? Can the will of man actually stop God's will from being carried out in his life? 
Can you do something to change that man's will? Can God change? Will God change that man's will? Some people think he will. But he won't. Number one, if he would, he would have changed Adam's will in the garden of Eden. Why in the world start this whole thing? Just stop it right there. Right? Why would he do that? If he's not willing, then why did he let it happen? Because he didn't let it happen. Adam had his own will. He had his own will. He chose. Do you know that Joshua said, Choose ye this day who you're going to serve? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Did he say that? Let me, let me clarify what I'm saying to you. People have a, a misunderstanding concerning God changing somebody's will. I think it's just a matter of wording. God will not change a man's will. God will work and deal with the heart of a man so that the man will change his own will. That's the better way to say it. God will, by His Spirit, convince and convict with all He has the heart of the individual until that individual... Let me say it like this because we've got to close here. Where did the time go? God, the Father, by His Spirit, will move upon the heart of any individual. He's not willing that any should perish. You know that. I know that. God wants everybody saved. But there's a lot of people that will not accept Jesus Christ. They don't want to accept Him. Don't you remember Jesus said that he that believeth is baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned? Was he making a bad confession or what? In other words, he's saying there are some that will not believe. There are some that will choose not to believe. What am I going to do? What am I going to do if my husband chooses not to believe? You remember over there in 1 Corinthians 7 where it said, how do you know whether you can save your husband or how do you know whether you can save your wife? Did you not know that faith is based upon the known will of God? And if you don't know whether you can or whether you cannot, it's time to seek the Lord's faith concerning that situation. Now here's what's happening. Man's will was so influenced by the, by the demonic influence, demonic forces, that all he sees is the ways of darkness. His mind was alienated from the life of God. Okay? He's on a road of death. I like to put it like this. He's on a road that has a bridge out halfway down. It's about a 500-foot drop to the rocks below. He can't see the signs for the darkness. He has no light. None whatsoever. But on that road, sure enough, the end of that road is death. To him it all looks good. It's all darkness, but it all looks good. It's a way that seemeth right to the man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. He hears the gospel, and God's will is that this man would accept Jesus Christ when he heard the gospel and be saved. But the guy says no. Jesus said he loves darkness more than light. Right? Your intercession and your praying and your standing and knowing how to do this, and we're going to get into this probably next time we meet, how to do it, how to say, how to get that person saved. Your intercessions, your prayers, your praying for that one that's walking in darkness, he's on the road to death. If he had light shining on the, the posts, the signs and everything on the way down, he would see those signs that said, bridge out, bridge out, 500 feet, bridge out, and he'd stop and turn around. Anybody in their right mind would stop and turn around and just go another way. Right? But the man, his will is influenced by a satanic influence. He can't see that that bridge is out, and he's walking in darkness. Even though he heard the word, he was supposed to act when he heard that word because, listen to me, if you don't think, you think the word's a lie, when somebody intercedes and prays for a lost loved one, the spirit of our God immediately goes to convince, to convict that spirit of sin, righteousness, and judgment to get him to change his mind. And your intercession holds back the darkness and puts lights on every, every sign that's posted along the way. 
Bridge out a thousand feet. Bridge out seven hundred fifty feet. Bridge out five hundred feet, and so on. And he begins to see little gleams of light here, and little gleams of light there, and more there, and more. And before he you knows, lo and behold, praise God! Before he dies, we pray. He sees the light. He sees the road he's on. Finally, God got through to him. No, God doesn't change his mind. He goes, I see it now. I'm going to serve the Lord. He changed his will. The prodigal son was on that road, wasn't he? You know what he said towards the end of that? It says, when he came to himself, he said, look at all this. My father's got people on there. You ain't living, they're living better than I am. I know what I'll do. I will go back to my father. I will. See, God didn't change his will. He changed his will. We helped him to change his will. God helped him to change his will. I've got one more scripture to give before we close. Okay, we got a little bit of time to get this on here. This is very important. Very important. You've got to look at this. You've got to look at square in the eye. You've got to face up to the scripture. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. You've been called to glory. You've been called to God's purpose. You've been called to fulfill God's will of glory in your life. You've been called to rule and reign with Him over all the earth in this creation. You have not been called to destruction. But I want to show you how powerful man's will is, even if you're born again. Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin, how? How? After that we have received that word, I'll tell you what, I've heard people chew up this scripture and spit it out and just make a mess of it. I mean make a mess of it. They try to say he's not talking about a born-again believer here. You hold on to your seat. That word, you see the next word, receive, you circle that word. That word could have been this word I'm going to give you or another word. Lambano, L-A-M-B-A-N-O. It could have been that word, L-A-M-B-A-N-O. That is a Greek word meaning receive, translated receive. The literal meaning of that word means to get hold of or to take. After he has taken, received, he got a hold of, it is not this word. This next word means to have offered. To have offered. So in other words, it's saying this. If we sin willfully after we have taken a hold of and taken it, not been offered. The knowledge of the truth. Doesn't this mean he was offered? Someone says, well, someone just told him about the truth and he just didn't receive it. No, he received it. He took it. He got a hold of it for himself. Not just offered. That word is not not just offered. That word is he has taken a hold of it for himself. Listen. The knowledge is another word is epigonosco. It means, as a matter of fact, the best way to say this word, one has perfectly united the subject with the object. One has united the subject with the object. The implication is this. Adam knew his wife, Eve, and they bear a child. That word that's known, Adam knew his wife, is the most intimate relationship between a man and his wife. They have come into exact knowledge in that union. That word means that man has taken a hold of the union, the knowledge. He's come into oneness. The object and the subject have come together in one. They've come together in all the truth, of the truth, of the word. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Now listen, how much more sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. An unholy thing and hath done this in spite of the Spirit 
of grace. Man, as a born-again Christian, can sin willfully if he wants to. You are not fooling God. And the only thing that's left for you is a certain fearful looking for of fiery indignation and judgment which shall devour the adversary. Only this will be much sore punishment than those who despise Moses' law. I said that to show you the importance of the will of man. If a man that knows God could willfully sin, the man that does not know God could make his choice also. Let's bow our heads in the word of prayer. Hallelujah to Jesus. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.